Okay, session nine, the battle of Gog and Magog, Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's essential in any discussion of the role of Islam in the end times and the role of Islam with regard to biblical prophecy that we take some time to discuss Ezekiel 38 and 39. This is really one of the looming, most significant and important prophetic passages among all of the prophets with regard to the final invasion of Israel, the gathering together of the armies of the Antichrist against Jerusalem. And it's also one of the clearest, most significant, and and really important passages of all the biggies. We've looked at some of the significant passages throughout the book of Daniel. We really need to take some time to look at the battle of Gog and Magog. Now, the traditional position... The traditional position as taught in much of the church, really the dominant position in popular prophecy circles, is that the battle of Gog and Magog is really a separate and distinct uh, entity, a distinct battle separate from the battle of Armageddon. So Gog is an end-time evil world leader that leads a massive coalition of nations. Again, this is according to the the more popular, traditional interpretation. And then he is destroyed. These armies are destroyed. And several years later come the Antichrist out of Europe. This is the the popular European-centric perspective. And what we need to understand is the reason, the very reason why this theory is so popular is because within the church today, there is a widely held, there is a spirit within the church which is still refusing to acknowledge the reality with regard to the spread of Islam globally. The church is still largely in denial with regard to the role of Islam and the place of Islam in the earth. And as such, when many believers look to the biblical prophecies, when they look to the book of Revelation and they see the events that will take place, they can't picture how Islam will fit within the picture because they have a very black and white perspective. They see it in very cut and dry uh, perspective where you either have believers or you have followers of the Antichrist, but really nothing in between. And because they can't imagine how Islam will fit into this, they have sought after and desired to create theological mechanisms whereby in their imagination, in their prophetic imagination, they can rid the world of Islam. And it is through this, uh, again, this traditional misinterpretation of the battle of Gog and Magog that much of the church has allowed themselves to believe that Islam will literally disappear from the earth in the years ahead. So again, the traditional position is that you first have this battle called the battle of Gog and Magog, and there are various um, versions of this. uh, One theory that's very popular now uh, in prophecy circles is the idea that first you'll have what's called the Psalm 83 invasion, and what this holds to is the idea that you'll have this initial uh, invasion of the land of Israel, that it will be consisting of primarily those Arab nations which immediately surround Israel, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, uh, Jordan, Lebanon, and the Palestinian territories, that those nations which immediately surround Israel, they will invade Israel and they will be destroyed by the IDF. This is a theory that has become very popular as a result of a book called uh, Israelistine by uh, author Bill Salas. 
And then what is taught is that after these nations are destroyed, then comes the battle of Gog and Magog. And it is held that this is speaking of a, most often, a Russian uh, Middle Eastern alliance. Now, we're not going to get deeply into the issue of Russia. We're going to discuss that uh, in the next session. But in this session, we're not going to really dig into that. But what is taught is that this Russian Middle Eastern coalition consisting of Turkey and Iran and Sudan and Libya, that they then come and attack the land of Israel, but they are supernaturally destroyed. And as a result of this this global defeat of the Muslim powers, literally, Islam dries up and goes away. This is a belief which is widely held. If you, you know, go on the various Islamic forums and you read what is believed, you read all of the books, there is a large segment of the church today that believes that as a result of their interpretation of this, these two chapters, Ezekiel 38 39, that in the days to come we will literally see Islam disappear from the earth. But the problem with that is that one, it is complete unreality. Two, it's based on a complete misinterpretation of the passages. And we're going to look at uh, some of the reasons why the traditional interpretation is wrong and why, in fact, clearly Ezekiel is speaking of the Antichrist and the invading armies of the Antichrist. The point that I want to emphasize here and the point that I want to reiterate over and over and that I want to drill into everyone that gets a chance to listen to this is that all of the prophets are telling the same story. The emphasis, the focus of all of the prophets is on the return of the Messiah, the day of the Lord, the resurrection of the dead, and the establishment of the kingdom of God, and the events that precede that. And the events that precede that are the gathering together of the the nations under the Antichrist against Jerusalem, against Israel, and then in the darkest hour, in a time when Israel has largely been conquered and defeated, that many of the inhabitants have been killed or taken into exile, Messiah returns, Jesus returns and delivers the remnant. This is the same story that all of the prophets are telling. Now again, they tell it from different angles. They focus on different aspects of the story. Some zero in on one particular aspect. Others are looking at it from a very broad perspective. But they are all basically telling the same story story. So the Jewish position is that in fact Gog is simply another name for the Antichrist. Of course the Antichrist is really a New Testament term, but the the position of the Jewish rabbis and sages down throughout history is that Gog and Magog are indeed the final evil world ruler and his armies that will attack Israel and be defeated by the Messiah. And in fact this was the position of the early church. But later, again, as a result of an unwillingness on the part of the church to acknowledge the power of Islam in the earth, the growth of Islam in the earth, the relevance of Islam in the earth, and the Islamic nations, they have tried to create a theological system whereby they can, again, in their imaginations, eliminate Islam from the earth. We're going to look at uh, some of the key reasons why Ezekiel 38 and 39 are clearly speaking not of a a different evil end-time world leader and a different massive invasion of Israel and a different gathering of the nations, but rather why Ezekiel is simply telling the same story that all of the other prophets are telling. We're going to look at a handful of reasons why this is the case. So reason number one is this. Reason number one is that when we look at Ezekiel 38 and 39, 
that at the time of the destruction of these armies, of the Magog armies, the Gog and Magog, we see that Christ himself is actually present on the ground, in the land, that Jesus is present. Not just a spiritual presence, but his physical presence is actually there. The passage itself concludes with the parousia. So Ezekiel 38, verse 20. It says, In my zeal and fiery wrath I declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field... Every creature that moves along the ground and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. At my presence. Now the word there in the Hebrew is panim. And it literally means my face. It is to actually be in front of actual presence. It is speaking of the actual face of God. And so God himself is saying that all the peoples of the earth will actually tremble at my face when they see my face in the land at the time when these armies are destroyed. The peoples of the earth will tremble. And the word there, panim, it's it's really the same word that was used in Genesis 32, Verse 30, after Jacob had wrestled with the angel of the Lord, it says that Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God, Panim to Panim, and yet my life is preserved. I have seen God face to face, and yet he has preserved my life, and thus he named the place Peniel. Secondly, evidence that the Lord himself is present on the ground at the context of the conclusion of this battle, Ezekiel 39, verse 7. And it says, And the heathen shall know that I am Yahweh, I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Notice here it doesn't say the Holy One of Israel. The heathen will actually know that I, the Lord, am the Holy One in Israel. Now the phrase there is Kadosh Yisrael is used 32 times in Scripture. It's, it's translated as the Holy One of Israel. Every time the translation is, is used, 32 times throughout Scripture, it is always the Holy One of Israel, except in this one passage. And if you go through all of the major well-known translations, everyone translates this one passage as saying, the Holy One in Israel. The Lord Himself is actually present on the ground in the earth. This is not a mere run-up to the events of the last days. This is not a battle that begins the last days. This is the conclusion. This is the touchdown. This is when Jesus himself is on the earth. Reason number two is that clearly the battle of Gog and Magog concludes with the day of the Lord. Again, the day of the Lord is the day where Jesus himself is present, the establishment of the kingdom of God on the earth. After the defeat of Gog and Magog, the Lord is very clear. The scriptures are clear. He says, God says, his name will no longer be profaned. That from that day forward, from the time of the destruction of Gog and Magog, from that time forward, God's name will no longer be profaned. Beyond that, both Israel and the Gentile nations will know that God is, they will actually know God and they will know that he is the God of Israel and is in Israel from that day forward. All the nations, Israel and the Gentiles, will know God from that day forward. Now, the Lord says that at the time of the destruction of Gog and Magog, after that time, from that day forward, God will no longer allow his name to be profaned, to be blasphemed. 
What does the Antichrist do? What does the Bible say that the Antichrist will do? It says that he will speak unheard of things against the God of gods. That he will blaspheme the name of God. And he will literally raise up a global worship movement that will follow him as he blasphemes the name of the Holy One of Israel. He will raise up the greatest blasphemy movement that the world has ever seen. And yet we are to believe that although the Bible says that from the day forward when Gog and Magog are destroyed, even though it says, God says, my name will no longer be profaned, that for the next several years the world will be filled with one of the greatest blasphemy movements that mankind has ever seen, that makes absolutely no sense. And it wraps up with all of the Gentile nations and Israel knowing God. Ezekiel 38, 23 through 39 as well, uh, 23, as well as chapter 39, verses 7 through 8. God says, I will make myself known. Again, this is speaking of at the time after the armies are destroyed, after Gog and Magog are destroyed. I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. They will know that I am Yahweh. So who, who will know? The nations will know that I am Yahweh. I will make known my holy name among my people Israel. I will no longer let my name be profaned. And the nations will know that I am Yahweh, the Holy One in Israel. It is coming. It will surely take place, declares the Sovereign Lord. This is the day I have spoken of. What day? What is the day that the Lord has been speaking of throughout all of the prophets? Is it Sunday? Is it Tuesday? No, it is the day of the Lord that all of the prophets are speaking of. The Lord could not have been more clear. He says, listen, this is the conclusion. This is the wrap-up. This is the day of the Lord. All of the nations will know me. My people Israel will know me. And my name will no longer be blasphemed in the earth. Those that try to take this passage and twist it around and force it into something that it's not and to become a battle that takes place several years before the day of the Lord are ignoring these passages, are ignoring the clear uh, intent of the passages. Ezekiel 39, verse 22. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. It couldn't be more clear. Everything about the events and the language in this passage indicate that this battle is not merely the opening act leading to the Great Tribulation. Rather, it is the magnificent capstone of that period. It is the magnificent capstone that all of the prophets have been waiting for when the remnant of Israel and the nations together would know that the one true God is in fact on the ground in Israel ruling over the earth. Reason number three God himself directly declares that Gog is the Antichrist. Again, this is amazingly clear. Ezekiel 38, verse 17. This is what the Lord, Yahweh, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. He says, are you, he's speaking to Gog. God is speaking to Gog. And he says, are you not the one that I have spoken of in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel? At that time, they prophesied for years that I would bring you against them. And so here the Lord is basically saying, He is directly speaking to Gog. And He says, listen, you're the guy that all of the prophets have been speaking about. For many years, I have been prophesying through them. 
declaring that in the last days I will bring you against my people. The Lord directly declares that you are the guy. And I've put this challenge out really to some of the most well-known names in the world of biblical prophecy, and I've said if, as you say, Gog is someone other than the Antichrist, if this is someone different than the final evil uh, world leader, the final evil enemy of Israel, then show me in any of the prophets, show me in any of the prophets before Ezekiel, show me one instance where they are talking about Gog and not the Antichrist. And no one has able to show me a single verse that says this verse in, in, in Joel or this verse in Isaiah or this verse here or there. This is not speaking of the Antichrist. This invasion is speaking about Gog. No one can produce one. And yet we can look throughout all of the prophets and point to numerous, I mean thousands of verses that are speaking of the coming of the Antichrist, that final enemy of God that comes against Israel in the last days. The Lord says, Gog, you're the one that they're all talking about. I don't know if it could be any clearer than this. Reason number four is the numerous striking commonalities between this passage that deals with Gog and Magog and other passages, for instance, in the book of Revelation that deal with the Antichrist. Both passages feature the Feast of God. So Ezekiel 38, verses 17 through 20, compared side by side with Revelation 19, verse 17. Revelation 17, I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried out in a loud voice, Ezekiel, call out to every kind of bird and all the wild animals. Revelation, he cried out in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair. Ezekiel, you have the cry that goes forward to every kind of bird and all the animals. Revelation, you have the angel crying out to all the birds flying in midair. Ezekiel, the angel says, assemble, come together from all around. In Revelation, it says, come, gather together. In Ezekiel, the gathering is, to the sacrifice I am preparing for you, the great sacrifice on the mountains of Israel. In Revelation, the gathering is for the great supper of God. In Ezekiel, it's the supper that I, the Lord, am preparing for you. In Revelation, it's the great supper of God. In Ezekiel, it says, you will eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of princes of the earth. At my table, the Lord says, you will eat your fill of horses and riders, mighty men and soldiers of every kind, declares the Lord. In Revelation, it says, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. What is the point here? The point is that when the book of Revelation is speaking in Revelation 19 of the destruction of the armies of the Antichrist, it is paraphrasing, it is directly quoting in paraphrase Ezekiel 38 and 39. It is directly quoting this passage. Yet why would the Lord quote Ezekiel 38 and 39 if it's not even talking about the Antichrist? Why would John the Apostle, through the angel, quote a passage completely unrelated to the Antichrist? Again, it doesn't make any sense. Both Gog's armies and the Antichrist's armies attack each other. We looked at these two verses in a previous session, but it's interesting to look at again. Zechariah 14, verses 12 through 13, and this is a passage which universally uh, prophecy teachers and Bible scholars would agree it's speaking of the Antichrist. It says, on that day, men will be stricken by the Lord with great panic. 
They're in the land of Israel. And then it says, each man will seize the hand of another and they will attack each other. And then in Ezekiel 38, verses 21 through 22, again, Gog and Magog, it says, I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. Clearly referring to the same entity there in the land at the, at the very time of the end, the armies of the Antichrist, the armies of Gog, are actually turning their swords on each other and fighting each other in the land. Both coalitions consist of the same nations. This is important because we're told that Ezekiel 38 comes in and they are completely supernaturally destroyed. They are supernaturally destroyed, but yet when we look at some other relevant verses, we see that the very nations that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 are still here and they're involved and they're following the Antichrist. But I thought they were completely destroyed. I thought their armies were destroyed. Let's look at it. Ezekiel 38, verse 5. Cush and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. And then Daniel 11, verse 43. The Libyans and Cush shall be at the Antichrist steps, shall follow at the Antichrist steps. The two nations that are mentioned that will be part of the Gog-Magog coalition are mentioned by Daniel that will also be part of the Antichrist coalition. And the reason is because Gog and the Antichrist are simply one and the same. The purpose of the Antichrist, as well as this individual Gog, It's both of them, their purpose is to invade Israel, to take spoil, booty, and plunder. Ezekiel 38, verses 10 through 13. On that day you will make an evil plan. Speaking, the Lord is speaking to Gog. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of of the land. He says, I will gather you together to take plunder and to take booty. Zechariah 14, again, speaking of the Antichrist, verses 1 through 2, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and the spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. So in your presence, your spoil will be divided, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city shall be taken. So the armies that come in will divide the spoil. Isaiah 10. Woe to the Assyrian. Again, the Assyrian is simply another name for the Antichrist. The rod of my anger, in whose hand is the club of my wrath. I dispatch, I dispatch him against a people who anger me. The Lord is using the Assyrian as his rod of chastisement against his people Israel. He says, a people who anger me to seize loot and to snatch plunder and to trample them down like mud in the streets. Again, the descriptions of Gog and the descriptions of the Antichrist are identical. And then Daniel 11, verse 24, when the richest provinces feel secure, and the richest provinces, speaking of the land of Israel, it says when they feel secure, the Antichrist will invade them. He will distribute plunder, loot, and wealth among his followers. You see this theme, this repeated theme of the Antichrist invading the land of Israel for the purpose of taking loot, plunder, and spoil, wealth, and booty is consistent in the various antichristic passages, again clearly in Ezekiel, and the reason is because they're all talking about the same guy. Both armies come from the north. Ezekiel 38 verses 14 through 16 
And then chapter 39, verses 1 through 3. In that day when my people Israel are living in safety, will you not take notice of it? You will come from your place in the far north. Speaking of Gog, you will come from your place in the far north. You and many nations with you, a mighty army, you will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. I am against you, O Gog. I will bring you from the far north and send you against the mountains of Israel. So Gog is described as this army, the leader of this army that comes from the north. Now again, going back to Daniel 11, speaking of the Antichrist, verses 40 through 41. At the time of the end, the king of the south, that's the the Egyptian uh, North African coalition, will engage him in battle. And the king of the north, that's the Antichrist, will storm out against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships. The Antichrist will invade many countries. Here in Daniel 11, the Antichrist is described as the king of the north. In Ezekiel, he comes from the land of the north. In Joel 2, verse 20, I will drive the northern army far from you. The Lord is making this promise. Although you will be invaded by the northern army, the Lord promises, I will drive the northern army far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land with its front columns going into the eastern sea and those in the rear in the western sea and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. So again, the armies of the Antichrist, described by Joel, are described as the northern army. Both are destroyed through the convulsions of nature. Both the armies of Gog and the armies of Antichrist are described as being destroyed through the convulsions of nature. Ezekiel 38, verses 19 19 through 20, and then Revelation 16, verses 18 through 20. Ezekiel says, That in the land of Israel, Revelation says, at the place called Armageddon, which of course is in the land of Israel, the valley of Har Megiddo. Ezekiel says, surely in that day there will be a great shaking, Revelation says, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. Ezekiel 38 says, so that fishes, the fowls, the beasts, and all the men that are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. Revelation says, so mighty an earthquake and so great. Ezekiel says, and the mountains shall be thrown down. Revelation says, and the mountains were not found. Ezekiel says, and the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. Revelation says, and the cities of the nations fell, and every island fled away. Clearly, a massive, unparalleled, global earthquake which destroys the cities of the land, the cities of the earth, being described both in Ezekiel as well as in Revelation. Then in Ezekiel 38, verse 22, side by side with Revelation 16, verse 16 through 21. It also speaks of other uh, convulsions of nature. I will reign upon him, this is speaking of Gog, and his bands and upon the many people that are with him in overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. So Gog and his armies will be rained on by the Lord with great hailstones, with fire, with brimstone. Revelation 16, 16 through 21. Then they gathered the kings together in the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Then there came from the sky huge hailstones of about 100 pounds each fell upon men. Ezekiel says great hailstones. Revelation says huge hailstones. Again, they're both describing the same thing because they are the same reality, the same picture painted by two different prophets. 
Both are stricken with plagues. I will execute judgment upon him with plague and bloodshed. This is Ezekiel 38. Zechariah 14, speaking of the Antichrist, this is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. In other words, the armies of the Antichrist. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. The Lord will release judgment and plague and bloodshed upon the armies of Gog. He will release plague and bloodshed on the armies of the Antichrist. Why? Because they are both the same entity. Both are destroyed on the mountains of Israel, in the land of Israel. Now, what you'll often hear, and I find it almost humorous, is people will say, no, 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 the Antichrist is destroyed you know, at some particular place, but Gog and Magog and his armies are specifically destroyed on the mountains of Israel. As if Gog is going to come into Israel and the only place that his armies will die are specifically on the mountains, failing to acknowledge the, the, the Hebrew language, which is filled with euphemisms and filled with various expressions. And they take this expression in a wooden, literal way and completely distort its obvious contextual meaning. The mountains of Israel is simply a euphemism for Israel. This would be similar if I were to say, that if America were invaded, let's say that there was uh, some American general that comes out and he says, if America is invaded, then I can guarantee that all of the invaders will be killed and strewn out all across the fruited plains. Is that general saying that anyone that invades America will only be killed specifically in the fruited plains? Or is he using a euphemism to refer to the United States in general? Likewise, when Ezekiel speaks of the armies of Gog being destroyed on the mountains of Israel, it's simply a euphemism for greater Israel. Look at, let's look at it. Ezekiel 36, 1 through 6. The Lord says to Ezekiel, he says, Son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel, and say, Ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, so now he's to prophesy to the mountains, and then what does he say? Thus saith the Lord God to the mountains and to the hills and to the rivers and to the valleys and to the desolate wastes and to the cities that are forsaken. Prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains and the hills and the rivers and the valleys, I will multiply men upon you and all the house of Israel. The point is when the Lord says the mountains of Israel, he is not simply referring only to the mountains. He's referring to the mountains, the hills, the valleys, the cities of Israel. He's referring to the land of Israel. The context, the immediate context in chapter 36 couldn't make that more clear. Both Gog and the Antichrist invade Israel specifically at a time when she is feeling a false sense of security. She is feeling secure in the land. Ezekiel 38, verse 12 and 13 says, Gog... I will invade a land of unwalled villages. This is Gog speaking. He says, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls, without gates and bars. So they are a peaceful and unsuspecting people. In Daniel 11, the Antichrist, when the richest provinces feel secure, he will invade them. Daniel 8, through peace, this is the Antichrist, will destroy many. So again, the descriptions regarding Gog, the descriptions regarding the Antichrist are the same. Why? Because they are the same individual. In conclusion, all of the prophets 
And again, reiterate this, all of the prophets are telling the same story. They are all pointing to the final invasion of the land of Israel. They are speaking of the time when Israel will be broken down, will be defeated, will be crushed, will be invaded, will be conquered, will be occupied. Many of the inhabitants of the land will be killed. I mean, this is the time of Jacob's trouble. And there is a massive... uh, Uh, denial on behalf of the church with regard to this it's clear throughout the scriptures the surrounding nations the goyim sabib the nations round about will invade israel and take many of its people captive and kill many of the inhabitants of the land this is the time of jacob's trouble but then in that darkest hour through the messiah god himself steps in to save the remnant israel returns to god forever And the Messiah rules the earth from Jerusalem. The knowledge of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. All of the prophets, while speaking to their immediate circumstances of their day, are pointing through those circumstances to this day when Jesus returns. He delivers the remnant, whether Ezekiel, whether Joel, whether Isaiah, whether Daniel, Zechariah, they are all telling the same story they're all pointing to the same events it is a day of the lord centric vision they're all telling the same story if we want to be people who are giving ourselves perhaps to this part of the world or to a people who largely come from this part of the world we need to understand what's taking place in the earth we need to understand where these things are going we need to understand what the bible is saying about this region and not adhere to a popular, uh, eisegetical interpretation of prophecy where there is a church that is in denial, desiring or hoping or wishing that Islam will go away. The religion of Islam, the Islamic world, is not going away. They will be here right up until the very end. It will not be the Israeli uh, IDF that will destroy the Islamic world. It will be the Messiah himself at the day of the Lord that will judge those nations which are filled with that anti-Yahwistic, anti-Christic, anti-Semitic spirit. It will not be uh, the Israeli defense forces. And so, you know, again, these are things that we need to understand. The Lord made these things very clear. Throughout the prophetic scriptures, there are you know numerous uh, passages that speak of the Antichrist, but oftentimes they are a type or a foreshadow of the Antichrist. It uses, uh, it uses Antiochus Epiphanes, or it uses Pharaoh, it uses Nebuchadnezzar, these various types. But here in Ezekiel 38 and 39, one of the most critical passages, he is not using a type, he is not using a historical foreshadow. The Lord himself is directly addressing and speaking to the Antichrist. And we need to be aware, understanding, and pay attention uh, to what this passage has to say.